Welcome to the ITAD Talk Podcast with your host, Jeff Bittner. So welcome to ITAD Talk, and this afternoon our guest is Sean McGann from Sims Lifecycle Services. And Sean is an international sales and marketing management executive with over 15 years of experience selling into Fortune 500 companies, including the three leading hyperscalers. He is an expert on logistics and a champion of account-based marketing and sustainability. So I'd like to welcome you this morning. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. And um, once again, to our listeners, Sims is uh, either the largest or one of the largest metals recycling life cycle service companies in the world. Yes, sir. So a a few questions for you. Uh, Sims has established itself as a global provider of e-recycling and IT disposal services. How has Sims' strategy changed over the past few years? It's a really good question. So we've tried to, uh, it's tough to compete solely on recycling. That's where our DNA is. That's where we were born from, uh, from from the metals business. And so, you know, we, we used to work with a lot of clients specifically on the recycling part. But over the last few years, we tried to, to balance our revenue um, of commodities with, with resale and, and also now redeployment. So the biggest change is where five, six years ago, 80% of our revenue was from commodities. Um, it's flipped its on its head. I, w- I would guess that only 20% of our revenue at Sims Lifecycle is commodities, where the other 80% are services and resale and redeployment. So when you say the word com- um, commodities, we aren't talking about like just metals. You're talking about like processors, uh, memory, and hard drives and things like that? Exactly. The commodities that would come from them. So it's, it's steel, it's aluminum, it's gold, it's silver. So the actual, you know, the uh, intrinsic value of the stuff versus the resale value. So what you're saying is 80% is now coming from the resale value? Correct. Okay. Resale and, or redeployment. Okay. And, and when I say redeployment, it's where we actually give it you know we, we redeploy it to the client we take it in we, we fix it uh put a lick of paint on it and give it back to the client okay but aren't you also bringing it in and re and resell it too as they like if they'll do a um like you know five thousand laptops and, and so on as well um, yeah, absolutely so we do both so we do the and, and to your point it's a fair point most of the the revenue we have is from the resale where redeployment it's it's a, it's it's new, but it's growing to where you know. But you're right. The the, the model of resale laptops and this type of thing is certainly the the, the majority of the revenue. Okay, and um, I understand that uh, Sim set up a special facility in Tampa, Florida area, which is not too far from our plant in Naples, and it's focused also on data center e- equipment. Why was it important to establish a separate operation, and what have you learned as a result? Yeah, so we really wanted a, a playground to where we can do some innovation projects. You know, and a lot of we've done a lot of work with um, um, removing ICs um, from motherboards, right? And and you know, using um, different types of machines, rework stations, and and we wanted it separate because we wanted we didn't want the folks there to be um, sort of burdened by gravity. We wanted them to say, hey, you know, our big facilities are very process driven, and they take a very process driven approach, which is great. But in, in our Tampa facility, we wanted folks to just kind of just see what, what we could do, right? Not necessarily burdened by the metrics at the, the other, again, everything else at the other sites are throughput and units per minute 
you know, quality is huge too. Don't get me wrong, but the, but it's just a different mindset where we wanted them separated to where you know they have the ability to dream, and and, and we just found that you know it, when when the production folks were in charge of the facility, it, it just that mindset seats in, and so we just wanted it separate. So um, as far as the Tampa uh, area, is that um, are you like running it like full full bore, or like uh, are you still ramping up over there? Well, it's it's more of a project-based work. So, so we, you know, when, when ideas come in, like again, we're big on this this idea of chip pulling right now. That, you know, it, it it'll be full for a while, and then once it's mature, we'll we'll take it to an actual facility. So we'll take whatever we kind of dream up in Tampa, and then we'll move it to one of our larger facilities for production work. And then, you know, maybe you know, idols we work on something else, and then that'll ramp up. So it, it it's almost like a project base where it's 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 ebbing and flowing all the time. Okay. <clears throat> and what are some of the challenges you see for the industry in the coming months and years? Well, there's a, there's a few headwinds, right? I think, um, you know, the, the, the main thing is, is reporting sustainability metrics. That's, that's a challenge that we have to do better because this is what our big customers are asking for. There's a, you know, there's always been a benefit of recycling versus throwing something away. And, 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 you know, we've all measured that and there's, you know, EPA calculators and this type of thing, but um, you know our, our clients are asking us for for more data on that. So that's one of the big things we're we're, we're doing is you know really working on um, you know the, the the metrics and presenting that because that's the work product. They don't clients don't necessarily see what we do in the plants, but they but they actually see the, um, the reporting that we generate. So that's huge. So so better reporting is one. Um, I think sustainability in general, trying to cut down on the distance traveled of material, mm. um, you know, to, to make that uh, a lot more efficient. Customers are asking for that. Um, and, and I think there's there, there's always the um, the challenge of, there, there's not a lot of barriers to entry in our business. And so, you know, firms like yourself and ourselves, companies that are, you know, big firms, established firms, we're always competing with smaller startups. And that always can be a challenge because some of these startups don't necessarily have the, um, you know the, the the business ethics that you know like mm, your firm right. hopefully our firm right yeah in fact uh, i think when we were both at the itad summit show we were hearing about one of the other uh, recyclers that was using uh, offshore um, partners and they were tracking some of the material uh, with the gps trackers and some of it was going not where the partner said it was going and they had to actually stop the 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 motion in progress and go over there and get those assets so i thought that was interesting yeah, it's always an issue in our business, right? Because there's there's always the um, like I said, there's not a lot not a lot of barriers, and, and there's always the temptation to cheat. And so, um, mm. you know, anyways, that's always that that will be a um, you know, and this is why I think companies like ours, you know, yours and my company, will try to drive the maturation of the business to have tougher standards to really, you know, to, to make clients know that you know there, there's a small startups, and there's nothing wrong with a startup. I don't mean that, but there's companies that have that are doing the right thing and, and, and getting the right certifications and this type of thing versus companies that are just kind of flipping material. So, so one question, we're working on our uh, R2 V3 certification, which is the most advanced uh, certification in R2. And I was wondering if you guys have started that as well. We have. Yeah, we definitely have. We've worked with Corey and, and the Siri group, and they've been really great in hearing some of our you know concerns and questions. And it, it's no joke. I mean, it is a 
it is no yeah. joke. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we've uh, actually had Reich uh, on the phone at least once a week uh, trying to help our uh, operations group make sure we get everything in in uh intact in for the documentation and how the 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 reporting st- is changing and everything so is that one of the reasons why you're doing the chip pulling now because like in the past maybe you could sell chip on board but now since you can't maybe some overseas vendors don't want to give you traceability on the circuit boards and, and what have you that's left over from that if you pull them here that then you've got that the traceability plus you've got the profit here no, not really. It was more driven by sustainability and and some of the um, customers wanting to find more value. I mean, it's a fair point. You know, I, I it may be an unintended consequence, but I, I actually didn't think about the R2 part when we decided to do it. So, Right. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we just kind of became aware of in the past probably four or five weeks as well from that one aspect. Um, what, what would be your advice for other small and medium ITAD firms attempting to grow? I think, um, you know, I think partnerships are okay, right? I, I think, um, you know, finding other companies, no one company can be everywhere. And I think it's important to, to, to find a network or in, involve yourself in a network of companies that can work globally because it, it still seems to me, you know, there, there's still a lot of local business, but but the, the big clients that, that we work with and, and the ones, and I see a growing movement, they want the, the one uh, neck to choke. Uh, right in, on a global scale, and so I think for for smaller firms, I think it's important to work with other firms like like your firm or my firm to really help put put the um, you know the, the the global solution together because you know it, it, I've seen I've seen it's funny in, in the past seven years working in the business that the drive to single sources or, or maybe maybe not even single maybe d- dual source but but to have fewer vendors is really moving right because. For all the reasons, you know, and anytime you have multiple vendors, your chain of custody can be complicated, and that's where the leaks happen. So, so I would, I would, I would ask smaller firms. You know, I, I would advise them to really try to get that global footprint as much as they can, and and if they can't, then work with other companies that can help them get there. So, are are you finding? Uh, if I, well, let me just ask this next question because it kind of leads leads into that. But uh, we've seen that the pandemic has impacted the supply chains, the labor market, and the resale markets. So, with Sims Global Footprint, how has COVID affected your business, and how do you think that will change in the coming months? It's, it's a really good question. So, it, it's it overall, it's been good um, because again, since we we started to work with data centers, the um, the growth in data centers has only been accelerated by COVID. More people are working from home, more people watching Netflix. I mean, the the, <laughs> the, the, the utilization of the cloud, it, it's been crazy. I mean, it, it, they're growing, you know, every time we talk to one of our cloud customers, they, you know, they're, they're always a bit embarrassed because you never want to, you know, be fortunate from, from a bad situation, but, but COVID really, really helped accelerate the growth in, in the cloud. Um, we were just talking with a, a guy from a bank in London and he said, they've had to massively increase their their own infrastructure because they've got so many people working from home that they're not going to come into the site and then all you know that taxes you know the cloud and what they do anyhow so so for us the cloud has been has been good um and and we see that not slowing down um you know the supply chain has definitely become complicated and and one of the benefits of having a global footprint is we've had to shift so we're you know, maybe we couldn't sell into France at one point because of shutdowns. And, you know, we've, we've been fortunate to have other avenues of, 
of 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 downstream or or resale um, to utilize. So so we we you know touch wood and, and all that fingers crossed and all that kind of stuff. We've been okay, but. But it's it's been a uh, it's been a wild year. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and, and one other point along with that is it seems like everywhere we go, we see help wanted signs. So, have you had any difficulty trying to hire enough labor? Because it seems like with the paid unemployment, some people just want to stay home and 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 not work. Yeah, I don't know the exact reason, but I would I would agree with you that it's been hard to find people. And then, you know, where some of our plants are. You know, we compete with um, our Tennessee plant. There's a huge Amazon presence mm. in Nashville, and so that's that's made getting labor tough. So yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely an issue finding qualified workers. Um, you know, I'm sure that'll um, eventually balance out. But yeah, it, it is definitely there is a labor shortage. So I, it's something I've never seen um, in in my I'm not going to say how long in my years of work, right. working. Yeah. It just seems like we've never had such a problem finding you know people. So. Yeah, and and of course we're having to pay a lot a lot more now too for um, for, sure. for those workers. Um, with your impressive track record selling into Fortune five hundreds and specifically the three biggest hyperscalers, what do you attribute your success to in in that area? My personal success or the success of the company? Well, um, both. Let, let's take them both. I think um, you know for the for the company, I think we've really just tried to to stay the course, right? It seems like um, we, we really tried to build a, before um, in our business in general, we've been very reactive to things. So things happen and you figure out a way to pull things apart, right? Someone has a new gadget and you think, geez, how do we, how do we, you know, recycle that? And what we've tried to do the last few years is be proactive and say, Hey, this is what's coming. Let's build a service that fits that need. And, and, it seems basic, but but at least for our company, it's huge because I felt like we were always reacting and being proactive, which really helped because you can you can tell a customer they need something before they even know they need it. To me, it, it reminds me of bottled water, right? Twenty years ago, no one drank bottled water, but for mm. some reason, yeah. companies have said, "Hey, you know, here here's something that maybe you don't think you need, but you know, it's packaged, it's convenient, and so people drink it now." So anyway, so so I think that's been the success of the company, and and for me. I try to, um, it's my mantra just to play nice with everyone. I mean, it's good to be competitive and, and you want to, you know, really make the company succeed, but I think you can do so in a way that you don't burn bridges and you do things in a way to where, you know, I I think people are generally speaking, happy to work with Sims, even when we compete with them, because I've noticed that, you know, the world's a small place or industry is even smaller and you just don't want to burn bridges. So for me, I try to act in a way to where, Again, we want to be aggressive, we want to you know, work hard and fight hard, but we also want to be respectful of our competitors. So. And don't forget, the best way to support ITAD content is to rate and like the show on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you might listen.